0: You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning, church. You know, I was just thinking to myself, well, first of all, Mike Mike Evans, just so you know. It's good to see you this morning. If you're listening via podcast, glad that you're listening, too. We, We wish you were here. Wish that you were at church, but glad that you're listening nonetheless. On my way here this morning, I was thinking, I'm just so thankful, and I just love church. I'm so thankful for church. I'm so thankful for all of you. I'm thankful that we have a place to come. I'm thankful for a group of people who aren't just as Pittsburghers as we love to do, aren't aren't just interested in talking about the weather, you know? You you come in here, and the weather is interesting, I'll tell you, the way it's been, you know, four seasons in a single week. It's crazy. Um, But to talk about some of the more deeper things of life, and important things, things that we can't seem to get away from things that we can't escape, you know. We can kind of try to escape some of these realities in the world, but we have to we have to confront them. We have to ask the bigger questions and this is a group of people who are committed to that, who's committed to seeing the truth of God, seeing the truth of a different way. And if you were here last week, then you would know that last week's message was awesome. Bill's message, Pastor Bill's message was awesome last week and if you haven't heard it, I want to encourage you to go back And Listen via podcast. It was all about this. This new series is imagine fixing our mind's eye and last week was all about fixing our mind's eye on Jesus and what he has done so we can change internally that we can have a peace of God that transcends our situation that transcends our emotional situations that transcends all of these things and I'll tell you it's powerful stuff. It's supernatural stuff. I was talking to Pastor Bill and I said to him, you know, this has been around. This whole idea of just thinking about positive things and that's going to help you. But it's kind of like when you're just doing that apart from God, you kind of fabricate a world and it it can help, but it's not really substantive. It's not really life changing. It's almost like we're just fooling ourselves when it's apart from God. But the thing is with God, you actually receive a supernatural and awesome kind of peace. And that's something to talk about. That's something to consider. That's something to explore. That's something to get excited about. That's something that can start solving some of the world's greatest issues. I'm already getting excited. I'm telling you. All right. I can't help but get excited about some of this stuff that's in the Bible, especially coming from the book of Philippians, which is where we're going to be predominantly this morning. So if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to the book of Philippians. But the reason I love the book of Philippians is that it was a letter, and you guys would have learned this last week too, written by this guy named Paul. And it's coming from a place from Paul, this writer, this apostle, this champion of the church, who just he just loves these people, loves the Philippian church. And it's similar that that the Holy Spirit would work through Paul in the writing of Scripture, that God would, would send us the same message. A message that was true when this letter was written is still true for us today. And it was meant to come to us today by a loving and caring Father. Do you guys watch the news? <laughs> Uh, uh, Like, if you start watching the news, it's really easy to slip into a kind of negative depression, isn't it? I'm I'm not even lying right now. I'm not even trying to be, like, funny or anything. Just seriously, you start contemplating, like, how are we fixing this economy? You have this option, you have this option, you have this option, you're like, man, there's just, like, when you get down to it, you're like, there's no hope. (laughs) There's, like, no hope. Or you start thinking about, What's happening in all these different countries with all these different bombings and things that are happening? You just think to yourself, and, and, and stick with me here because it's just going to start negative, but it's, it's only going to get better. You think to yourself, man, there's just a lot, of, there's a lot of evil in the world. There's a lot of messed upness in the world. And maybe we expect that to some degree from the people who would say, okay, these are, these are bad people. These are evil people. But then there are people who we're supposed to trust. And then it comes out that they're like hiding lots of money in different places countries and so they can avoid like tax things and like just all these things like corruption reigns it seems it seems like this is integrated and has infiltrated and has poisoned every area and fabric of society and it poses a huge question is there a way to not be discouraged by it is there a way to not only not be discouraged by it is there a way to actively act against this This pervasive, this evil, this poisoning, this corruptness, this brokenness that seems to be everywhere. Is there honestly, and I'm not talking about a fabricated false way to go about acting within that world, but is there really, is there really a way to act against it? And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. There is a way. The Bible tells us of a way. A different kind of way. A different kind of code to live by. A different kind of purity in the face of this evil and corruption and brokenness. And I love some of the poetic language that the Scripture even uses in talking about it. There is a way that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Man, I just love that. I just love that. I love the the poetic nature of that statement that we can shine among this corruption and deceit and brokenness like stars in the sky. How do we get there? How do we do it? Paul says this in his letters, in his letter to the Philippians. It follows just the verses we talked about last week. He says this, finally, brothers and sisters, and finally is like, this is really important. Like whenever we have our final words, this is what's really important. This is really important. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is really important. If you're here this morning and you wouldn't call on Jesus as anything, you're just in here and you're like, man, I'm just kind of feeling this out. See what's available. See what this is really about. There's something appealing here. There's something appealing about What's available to us as Christians, a different kind of living that we can shine among the corruption and the deceit like stars in the sky. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This question, this verse, let's throw it back up on the screen here. This verse asks, it begs a certain question. The latter part of that verse, it says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, seen in me put it into practice you got to put these things into practice good what did you say (laughs) what did you do yeah the people who you wrote this to would know that but you have to really look at the whole of the book of Philippians to see what is it that Paul was actually saying it all can be summed in this verse here in Philippians 1 verses 27 whatever happens this is the thing Whatever happens, you need to conduct yourselves in a, man- in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, you have to live in a way that's going to be pleasing to God. You have to live a life that's worthy of this gospel, this good news that you have received as Christians, the truth of Jesus and what he did for you. You have to live a life worthy of that. And you have to look at the way that i lived you have to look at the way I have lived, Paul has said. And we learned a little bit about Paul last week. And Paul is one of those guys who you just, you just look up to. He was really loved by the Philippian church. He lived a very special kind of life. And we have people in our lives like this, don't we? Can you think of like someone in your life right now where there's just something about them? And you're like, man, if you could boil that down for me to like what it is that you do to become the way that you are, that I could actually do that and become like you? Like, I would do that. Did you follow all that? There are people in our lives who we just, who we just naturally we look up to because they're really awesome and good people. And you're like, man, what is it that you do? What makes you you? What's the secret sauce to who you are? When I was a kid, okay, I'm, I'm going to throw this out here. I'm going to need to take a sip of water for this one too because you'll see. How many of you here you would have had to have grown up like within a pretty interesting subculture of Christianity to get this reference. How many of you grew up knowing who the Donut Man is? Hands up high. Hands up high so I can see. Come on. If you don't know who the Donut Man is, well, I'll tell you. When I was a kid, I looked up to the Donut Man. And I'm not even trying to be a comedian up here, but I just want to... There's some depth to the Donut Man. There's some serious awesomeness to the Donut Man. Let me... So this was like the Donut Man. Life without Jesus... Is like a donut, is like a donut, is like a donut. Life without, you see, baby's already crying. Jesus is like a donut. You got a hole in the middle of your heart. If you don't clap for that, I don't know what we're going to clap for. (laughs) Man, I love the donut, man. So good profound goodness awesomeness I wanted to be like the donut man I actually got to meet the donut man later in life and he was he was kind of weird to be honest with you but he was he was going through a crisis of life so we won't talk to him as a really good influence but like the donut man I really looked up to him we had these people in our lives who we really look up to and Paul was one of those people it seemed that whatever came across Paul's path, whatever it was, if it was messed upness, injustice, Paul met a lot of injustice. In fact, when he's writing this letter, he's writing it from house arrest, from people who really don't like him. It seems like life just keeps throwing him some hard blows, that he's really the recipient of that verse that we were talking about, this corrupt and deceit and evilness in this generation, that he was the recipient of that. Yet in the midst of all of it, he was so steadfast, and he was so focused, and he remained this positive attitude where he had no fear that he would continue to charge ahead in spreading this gospel, which really, the gospel is the gospel. is good news, is news about this kind of love that flows from the Father through his son dying on a cross. It's a message of love. It's a message of, of it, you, you can't be as good as you are on your own, that there's someone who did something for you. is was this really awesome message. And there was nothing that was going to throw him off it. It didn't matter what came before him. It didn't matter what people did to him. It didn't matter what people said about him. He was steadfast. And he loved people. Man, did he love people. You ever come across someone who's just so loving? You're like, Man, you just... You just can't help but be around them. You just want to be around them because they're so loving. Paul is one of these people. And he gives us a glimpse into what it is that makes him who he is. That question that we kind of wonder about these people who we admire so much. Like, well, what what is it about you? What is it that you have? What is it? Paul gives us that glimpse into his life, and he says this, but what, whatever were gains to me, now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of what? Of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. You see, Paul lived under this realization. It's an important one. It's one that I think as Christians we take for granted, and it's actually one that I think it slips under our radar sometimes of consciousness. And that is that there are two realities within this world. We're in this series called Imagine Fixing Our Mind's Eye. There are two ways. When we boil it down, there are really two ways to think. There are ways that are in line with God. And there are ways that are not. There's godly wisdom, as the scripture says, and there's worldly wisdom. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You can read it on your own and see this kind of difference. And it's it's really fascinating. It's really interesting. You see Jesus, God, the way that he works, the way that he's going to overcome evil, the way that he's going to act in a lot of ways is very counterintuitive to us. He gives us a glimpse into this in 1 Corinthians by saying, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. If we want to act in a world that is corrupt, If we want to act in a way that's contrary to that it's going to come by way of something completely different than i think we're used to like let's consider i'm going to say a bold statement here jesus was bold like our first thought about this isis problem in the middle east is like what just blow them all up that's what we would expect is like the way to fix this issue I just want to give you a glimpse, and these are complex issues, but I want to give you a glimpse into what Jesus would do. When it came to a broken and messed up and and fragmented and evil world, what he did is he didn't blow them up. He died for them. I mean, it's like literally like us saying, let's fix this problem over here. Okay, let's go over there and just die for these people. (laughs) There's this different kind of reality there are two kinds of realities at the center of the godly wisdom spectrum is ourselves worldly perspective is ourselves it's a worldview a thinking that's based on me what can push me forward and we see the world at work with this all the time don't we that's why we're going to hide money over here so we can kind of Miss out on these taxes over here. This is why we're going to belittle these people to put ourselves forward. It's a me-centered society. That's the worldly view. Even our good acts are really just ways to make us feel better. The Scripture pulls no punches when it comes to this kind of stuff. Even our our goodness, our good deeds are like filthy rags, the Bible says. This is in the worldly worldly way. But then you have... God's way, you have Jesus' way, which is so much more appealing, where really we can take ourselves out of the center. And you put Jesus at the center. And when Jesus is at the center, then what you have is a picture of the cross. You have a picture of selfless love, where we can love people unconditionally. Where we can promote radical peace. Where we can promote radical giving and radical love and radical mercy and radical grace. That's the kind of stuff that that fixes broken societies, that fixes broken messes and corrupt generations so that we may live as stars shining among them. Two realities available. Two realities to choose from. And there's really this kind of underlying principle at play when it comes to these two different worldviews. And it's that our motivation is our mover. Say this with me here. Our motivation is our mover. Our motivation is our mover. Are we motivated by ourselves and our thinking? What's going to move us forward? Whenever we explore that, then really we participate in some of the bigger problems that the world faces today. Yet when we have Jesus at the center, then what you have is someone like Paul. Whatever regains to me, I consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Yet someone like Paul who is just out of this world loving, out of this way supportive, out of this way amazing in his love for his people and spreading the good news of Jesus, which is really the ultimate act of love, is to tell people about this Jesus, this loving Savior. And he was led by this motivation to move this Paul. Paul. So much so, and he knows the power of this godly perspective, this knowing of Jesus, this godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. He was so transformed and so moved by this that at the very onset of his letter to the Philippians, he prays this very specific prayer. It's a prayer that's prayed for us even as we sit in here this morning. And this is my prayer, Paul says that your love may abound more and more in what? In knowledge and depth of insight. That you would come to know this Jesus. That we come to know of His love on the cross. That we come to know the transformative power of His mercy and His grace. Not just so we can think about these things and just do nothing, but so that... You may be able to discern what is best. That you may be able to to come before options that are available to us in our workplaces, in our homes, in our society. That we may be able to come before these things and see clearly the godly perspective and the worldly perspective. The godly wisdom and the worldly wisdom. The godly way which leads to life and the worldly way which leads to death that you may be able to discern and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So when you know this Jesus, you can see things more clearly, and that you can choose the best godly option and then move in that direction in a way that's pleasing to God. And now we're living a life that's worthy of the gospel, and the world's changing as a result, hallelujah. There's another way. There's another way. Why do we move so we can live a life that's worthy of the gospel, church? You can live a life that's pleasing to God, where love reigns supreme and and grace reigns supreme and mercy is the new code. It's so different than what we read, it really is. And that's just the thing. How many of you have ever seen, I can't condone the movie because I honestly can't remember if it's really bad or not, but how many of you seen the movie Nightcrawler? There's this movie called Nightcrawler. It's about this news reporter who, who's a, he's like a photographer and he starts at these crime scenes, he starts kind of manipulating the crime scene to make it look worse than it actually is because he knows that TV ratings are going to go up because people are really drawn to Like aggressive violence, and are really drawn to the negative, and are really drawn to the corrupt, and are are really fascinated with people that are doing evil things. And it's just—it's interesting, isn't it? We hate it, yet we're so drawn to it. And that's why the Bible says in in Romans that we must be. This is Romans chapter eleven, verse. Or, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 2 Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a way that we can shine as stars among this corrupt generation and this deceitful generation in these evil times but it's going to take a renewing of the mind because by default, our minds are not as they should be. Our minds are not as they should be. And this is a hard reality. You know, I think it was just last week that uh, Pastor, Pastor David at the Mills was saying, we don't need to be doing anything that makes Church more difficult for people because the gospel is already offensive as it is. Is that what it was last week? The gospel is, a, is kind of offensive to us at first, isn't it? No one likes to be told that, you know, the way that you're thinking is really messed up, that you're really not living in a way that that's, you were designed to live. You know, I don't want to be unsympathetic to this, it's difficult. As Pastor Donnie says at Nexus, it really takes a posture of being humble, open, and seeking to be moved by God, because this is offensive stuff. The Bible says that we're sinful. The Bible says that we're messed up, that our minds are not in line with God's mind. It's not in line with God's perspective or God's wisdom, which, if the Bible is true, then that's really the way to life. That's really the way to light. That's really the way to ultimate love and glory and life Now in life after life after death. Our minds are are disconnected from God prior to what Jesus has done in our lives. And if you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, this is really important to know. And if you're here as a Christian, I like to say this. It's important that we remember our roots. So we don't fall into the temptation of going back into those old ways of thinking. Because from those old ways of thinking, this worldly wisdom, this worldly way comes bad ways of acting. And participation in a corrupt world instead of shining like a star. But our minds are, are, are disconnected from God prior to Jesus if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, your minds are disconnected from God, but it's, it's more holistic than that. Our hearts are disconnected from God. Our actions are disconnected from God. And it is such a big deal. Because not only will we we'll crumble in this world that we live in as we speak, because we weren't designed to live in that way. We were designed to live in step and in unison with our Creator. But that death comes ultimately after we die in separation from God. The separation from all that's good and all that's lovely and all that's meant to make us flourish as human beings. But, but, but there is a way to get back to this renewing of your mind. Like C.S. Lewis says, how weird would it be if we had this thirst and yet there was no water that exists? How weird would it be if the scriptures told us that we must be renewed by the transforming of our, of our minds if there was no way for our minds to be transformed, am I right? And that's where Jesus really, he came in. Jesus came, God is man, and he lived a perfect life where his mind was not disconnected from God. and He lived a life, a, a human life that was perfectly in sync and in step with the Father And he died on a cross the deaths that we were to die in our place. And what we get when we trust in Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, when we think of him and his goodness, his awesomeness and his love, and we submit to him as our Lord and as our Savior, then his goodness becomes our goodness. And he transforms our minds so that we may become blameless and pure in a corrupt generation, that we may live by a different kind of code and make a different kind of impact on this world. That people could look at us and see this Jesus who is so loving and is so different. That maybe the, the worldly way to act in this situation is violence or or wrongdoing or what have you. Instead, what they get is this unmerited grace, this unearned love, this radical mercy. This is compelling. This is this is amazing and it's available to all of us. If you hear and you're not a Christian, this is available to you. It's the most important message the world will ever receive. And it's through the preaching of that word, of that good news of what Jesus has done, that he came and he died for us that When we hear that gospel, that we are changed by the renewing of our minds, when we put our faith and trust in in Jesus. And then as Christians, when we have submitted to that gospel and to this Jesus, that he works on the inside of us, out. That what's available to us is a different kind of perspective and a different way of thinking. And I love the way that Paul says it in the book of Colossians. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I want to invite the worship team to come on up this this morning. Paul said this. Finally, brothers and sisters, we started the morning this way with this scripture. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You've to think about these things. And these things, these truths and the nobility and the rightness and purity and loveliness, admirable Excellent and praiseworthy things. These things don't exist apart from Jesus. Paul says that it is that he could set everything else aside. His own preferences, his own comfort. He can set it all aside because of the worth of knowing Jesus. Of knowing Jesus. A transformation of the mind to action. He's able to act a specific way because he knows someone. He's a motivated mover. He's motivated by the love of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, how unworthy he is and how loving his Father is. And in turn, he says, there is a way, church, There is a way that in the midst of a broken and then corrupt and an evil society where when you turn on the news and all it seems is negativity and no hope, in the midst of that, God is at work and you need to focus on that and be moved by what He is doing to act in a way contrary to what the world is doing. There is a way. There is a way. And I want this to be a word of encouragement for not just you, but for me. No matter what news you receive in your life. No matter how dark or discouraging it is. There is a Father in heaven who sent his Son to die for you who loves you and who is at work in a broken world to fix all that is messed up and wrong. And Paul was motivated by that too. And he has called us as his followers to, to, to push forward a kind of kingdom that is fixing the brokenness of the world, that is caring for the least of these, that is loving the orphan and the widow and the poor. And that we're in our governmental systems and we're in our schools, we're in our workplaces and we're making these changes of this loving Father. Man, this is just such a... This is such an encouraging and such a big thing that's at play here and it's available. If you're here and you're, you're a Christian, we have this... We have this honor to participate with Jesus and what he's doing in the world, what he started on the cross, and what he's even doing now. We have this honor and an obligation to live a, a life that's worthy of the gospel, to live a life that is pleasing to God where what he did on the cross motivates us to act in our neighborhoods and in our homes and in our workplaces that we become the kind of people who when others look at us they can't help but ask what is the difference about these people? What is the difference about this person that ultimately it would be linked to Jesus? If you're here and you haven't accepted Jesus into your heart and you recognize the messed up nature of this world and you messed up that really, just as I personally have come to realize that apart from Christ, you're really a part of the problem more than the solution and that you're looking for a way to becoming the solution to that problem, then I want to encourage you to to seek out this Jesus Paul prays very specifically that this love would abound and that this different way of living would come to to fruition and bear as a result of more knowledge and, and depth of insight to determine what is best, with Paul himself being the first to say what is best and the surpassing worth is knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. So how do we become motivated movers? How do we act in a world that's messed up? Well, we got to follow Jesus. we got to stay fixated on Him. We've got to, in the midst of all the brokenness and calamity of the evil, the corruption, we've got to focus on whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if everything, anything is excellent or praiseworthy, we need to think about such things. And thinking about such things is to focus on Jesus and what he has described as good in his word, what he has described as lovely in his word, what he has described as beautiful in himself, in his person, which can be found in his word. Church, there is a way. And I think we ought to respond in worship for Jesus and the way He has provided us a way out of the corruption that we can act in a way that's different. And let us become those people who are living a life worthy of the gospel, a motivated mover in a corrupt and broken society where we might shine as stars among them as we hold firmly to the word of life. Let's pray. Jesus, sometimes it can be difficult to, to live in a world that's messed up. It can be discouraging. The headlines are discouraging. But Jesus, we want to focus on you. We want to focus on the kingdom you have established when you died on the cross. And we recognize that we are participants with you in the moving of that kingdom. And we are not satisfied with corruption and evil reigning in this world. But we notice that you are the king. And that you have made a way where we can act in opposition to this world and the brokenness where love and grace and mercy and godliness can reign supreme. God, I pray that the truth of who you are and what you have done on the cross would turn us into motivated movers for your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.